Well, praise the Lord. That's good. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. If you would please stand for the reading of God's Word. Sister Debbie said something while ago. She said, I'm surprised you made it back tonight after giving your sister-in-law a hard way to go. Well, I took a nap before she left. And I, I locked the door so she couldn't get to me while I was asleep. No, I didn't. Colossians chapter 2. Hope came up and told me. She said, uh, she said it's Connie's birthday. And uh, so um, I said, you want to sing to her? And she just kind of gave me one of them looks. Hope you want to sing to her? No, okay. <laughs> How about you give her a big hug for her birthday? Will that work? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All right. Happy birthday, Connie. <laughs> Colossians chapter 2, begin reading verse 1, says, For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you, and for them at Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knitted together in love, and unto all riches of fullness of assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted, built up in him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the, uh, putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein, ye are, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead." Look with me back in verse 6. It says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. I'd like to preach a message I've titled, So Walk in Him. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening in great need, each one of us in great need, in need of the presence of God, in need of the direction of the Holy Spirit. Lord, in need of that fellowship and that daily walk with you, that we might be that witness and testimony of the glorious Savior, Jesus Christ, who saved us from our sins. And Lord, because of it, our name's written down in heaven, in the Lamb's book of life. Now, Lord, I pray, strengthen us and guide us, Lord. Give me the words to say. Hide me behind that cross. Lord, may Jesus Christ be lifted up and draw men to him. And Lord, I pray that you help us, Lord, to see the importance of this walk in Christ Jesus the Lord. Have your will and way, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. <clears throat> We're living in a day and a time and 
when many professed Christians are not really walking after the Lord. They're saved, they say they're saved, but they're walking in the pathway of the world and the pathway of the sins that they're of it. It seems as though they, you know, it's kind of like the old story, they, they want salvation, but then they still want to hang on to the world a lot of times. Walking after the world, walking after the ways of the world, and instead of separating themselves from the world and walking after God, many times you find them back out walking after the world. You say, well, preacher, are they saved? Well, I, I'm not the one to answer that. What I can say is the Bible says, by the fruit you shall know them. But many times you still have Christians, born-again Christians, who've been saved many times for years and served God and even get away from the Lord and not walk after the Lord. The fact is we see very little dedication in our day and time in a lot of areas to the things of God, to His Word, to the church, to uh, the mission for the believers, the worship of, of Him in spirit and truth. We see little dedication across the board as you look around the world and in, in our nation, in our town. And so it's important that we understand that we need to walk after the Lord. See, every Christian has been called to walk in holiness. Every Christian, let me say again, every Christian has been called to walk in holiness. And it's important that we understand that we're not just to walk after our flesh and not after the way we want to walk, but God has a design for you and me of how we're to live, how we're to walk after Him. And it covers many areas of our lives, and, and we're not going to get into all that tonight, but in Isaiah 35, in verse, begin verse 8 says, And an highway shall there be, and a way and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those the wayfaring men through though fools shall, uh, shall not err therein. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go uh, up thereon. It shall not be found there. But the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. And they shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. So, well, preacher, that's, not, that's talking more about the millennium. I understand that. But there is a way of holiness and godliness that Christians need to get back to. Need to walk in that direction. Need to walk in that way. Why, preacher? Why do, we, why do we need to walk in that way? So that the world can see the Lord Jesus Christ in your life and my life. You see, our problem is, is that we've got too many Christians that are camouflaged. Yeah. See, what do you mean camouflaged? They mix in with the world and you can't tell that they're a Christian. They mix in with the way they dress. They mix in with the way they talk. They mix in with the way that they, uh, the places they go and the things that they do, and they walk in the, in the ways of the world, the styles of the world, the, the music of the world, the, the uh, uh, movies, videos, whatever, whatever it is. They, they go after the world and they mix into it so that they're camouflaged by the world. And you can't see any difference in their lives. You know, a lot of people, I, I've never been a turkey hunter or a deer hunter, either one. Of course, in deer season, you don't really camouflage. You put on the orange vest and everything. I've always wondered. Man, you'd think that the deer could see that orange. I guess they're blind, colorblind to that orange. I don't know. But you'd think, man, deer would say. <laughs> and he thinks I'm going to get close to him. He's nuts. But especially if you're turkey hunting. Well, these guys go all out and get real elaborate with their camouflage. 
I mean, even their face, they'll paint up their face. I mean, you would think that they was going over to fight in the war. And to them, it is kind of a war. And they'll camouflage up so that turkey can't see them, so that they mix in. And they, they're, 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 just, they're just not even there. I mean, they, they just mix in. And the turkey can't see them. You know what's sad? A lot of Christians are exactly the same way in this world. We begin to dress up, look like, talk like, act like, be like. Let me just put, use that word, be like the world. In every area of our lives... And we mix in so much with the world that we don't stand out and people don't see Jesus Christ in our lives. You say, well, you know, we can reach them. Where are you going to reach them to? What are you bringing them to? They see no difference in your life. Why would they want what you got when they feel like they've already got it? Uh, we need to be the answer to the problem, not part of the problem. And so there's this walk of holiness. And, and a lot of people don't want to talk about that because we don't want to be different. I mean, shame on us if we're different, you know. No, my friend, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. We need to be able to stand out so that they can see the difference in our life. I'm not talking about being haughtier. I'm talking about, I'm talking, we, we, there needs to be a difference. There needs to be that holiness that stands out. There's always been the conflicts and the challenges in the Christian life as Satan tries to keep the Christian from walking in the highway of holiness for the Lord. Because he realizes, can I tell you something? I, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to, I'm not insult, I'm not trying to insult your intelligence, but, he, but listen to me. Satan's a lot smarter than you and me. He's been at this thing for thousands of years. And he realizes that if he can get you and I to be just like the world, that we lose our testimony for Christ. And so he doesn't want us to walk that highway of holiness. In fact, verse 8 there that we read in Colossians chapter 2 says, Beware lest any man spoil you through the philosophy and vain deceit. And most what it says here, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Otherwise, taking the things of the world and applying that to your life instead of the things of Christ and applying that to your life. And so what happens is we begin to appear just like the world and people see us unchanged. You say, well, preacher, if we, if we, if we walk away you're talking, then people are going to think we're weird. Can I tell you something? Have you looked at the world lately? They are weird. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying. I mean, look at what's going on in the world. Weird. And so we've got to realize that there's that holiness that we need to walk after. The philosophy of fallen man has pulled many Christians away from the Lord and taken them from the highway of holiness to the, down to the rugged, rocky paths of sin in this world and it's messing up their lives. They're struggling. Causing some to even question the very existence of the Lord and, and what Jesus did to save our souls from hell. I've known of different ones that's come up in, in Christian homes, went to Christian school, was in good Bible preaching churches, went off to college 
and they begin to mix in to try to be like those at the college so that they wouldn't stand out and have them to come home after about a half a, sem uh, a, half a year, uh, a semester, and, or maybe even a year, and wondering whether God even exists. What happened? They let down. They begin to try to, to be like everybody else. Begins to change their thinking. Begins to move them away from the principles of God's word. Begins to move them away from the walk with the Lord. And then they begin to struggle. But we've been called, listen to me, we've been called to walk in Christ. We've been called to do that. It's not, it's not one of those things where the Lord says, if you want to, follow me. No, he says, take up your cross and follow me. And then he tells us here that we're to follow him, we're to walk in Christ. There's a need today of a stable faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 5 there. It says, For though I be absent in the flesh. Paul's writing to the Colossia here, the, the church there in Colossians. He says, For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit. He said, I can't be there with you. But he said, My spirit is bearing witness with you. He says, Joying. He said, I'm happy. And beholding your order, how you're, how you're doing things. And the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. He said, boy, I'm looking and I'm hearing how things are going and how steadfast you are. How staunch you are standing where you're supposed to be standing. Living the way you're supposed to be living. He's rejoicing in their stable steadfastness of faith. Of those believers in Colossia. Do you know what the world needs that today from you and me? The world is looking for something that's real. The world is looking for something that doesn't change with every wind that blows in from, uh, from, from Hollywood. The world needs Christians who are going to be the same today, tomorrow, next week, next year, 10 years from now. We're still solid on the Lord, still living for God, still walking that path of holiness, still walking in Christ, still serving God, not questioning things, not going off the beaten path, being like the world, but staying on that path with the Lord Jesus Christ, steadfast. It needs great in our day to have those who are stable and steadfast in their faith and in their walk with the Lord, not tossed back and forth by the world and in one day and out the next day, going back and forth. Ephesians 4.14 says that we henceforth be no more, excuse me, be more, no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. This world is trying to get you to follow it. Years ago, they tried a, a system called backmasting on tape and on, on records and stuff like that. And they used it, uh, they, they, they launched it into, uh, into grocery stores. And I think they came out a deal they had to stop doing this. But they, if you walked in the grocery store, you could hear music playing. I mean, I mean, that was pretty typical. You could hear music playing. And they was able to take, and they did it as a test pilot, test pilot deal. And, and they put this message on this music. And it was a subliminal message. With your ear, all you heard was the, was the music. But it's called backmasking, and actually you could take, and in some instances, if you took a, uh, 
and I know this is dating me, but you could take a record if it was made in a record, and instead of going forward and listening to the music, you could take it and slowly wind it backwards, and you could hear the words that was on that music. Said, so, you ever do it? Yes, I have. I did it to see if it was real. And you could take and we'd take we'd take a a uh, 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 an album and we put that needle on there. We wouldn't turn. We would have it on, but we would we would take and, and cut the the belt on it, and then we would start running it backwards. And you could hear them talking and saying things. It's called backmasting. Well, they tried this in the grocery stores. That I don't I don't know what products they would say, but the music would be playing and saying. You need some hamburger. You need some hamburger. You need some hamburger. You need some hamburger. And people would go back and start buying hamburger. And their sales on the hamburger would go up. It might be you need, you need uh, eggs. You need eggs. You need eggs. All you hear was the music. But because the way they put it on the back masking, it was coming out. And because your brain does a certain, I don't know how it does it, but it takes and it flips that thing. And your brain realizes what's there. And they cut them and they got in trouble for doing it. But they tried it just to see if it would work. And it works. Let me tell you something, what's happening in the world today. Satan is taking a subliminal message from the world. And you think everything's going right and you're just being, uh, and he's constantly bombarding you with a subliminal message. You need to be like the world. You need to be like everybody else. You need to dress like them. You need to talk like them. You need to be accepted by them. And constantly bombarding you and me. And the thing of it is, if we don't walk after Christ, he'll win. And so he's constantly working to draw us away from the Lord. Constantly. Well, there's a need today for us to be stable. Our churches and our homes are unstable because we're not following the Lord like we ought to. There's a very little steadfastness in Christians and those who are willing to go through the storms of life and stay steady in the Lord. The lost and backslidden Christians are alike are, uh, need to see that those who are, are steadfast in their walk in the Lord, they need to see you and me. It helps them to be strong if they see us standing strong. Paul then pointed them to, and us to the fact that the crisis that brought us to accepting Jesus Christ should be the same thing, the pattern to continue in our lives so that we might be faithful to the Lord. Say, so what do you mean? What are you saying? I'm saying this. Why did you get saved? Well, preacher, I was on conviction, and I knew if I didn't if I didn't get saved, I, I, I was going to die and go to hell. And I knew that, you know, I didn't want anything to do with that. I wanted to live for Christ. I want I want Christ my Savior. Then you ought to stop and think about what Jesus Christ did for you, and it ought to motivate you to walk after Christ. You ought to stop and think about where He saved you from, what He saved you to. And it ought to motivate us to live for Him and all that He did for us and how that He, what the price that He paid for our salvation that we could have eternal life. We realize our condition without Jesus and, and our great need of Him. And that's why we, should, we got saved and it should also cause us to, to live for Him. To serve Him. Well, as he, Paul's writing here, he points out 
three things that I really want to get to tonight, and this is really where I'm headed to. There was a call for a decision in your life and my life. Look with me again there in verse 6. It says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. He said, Therefore, as ye have therefore received. Otherwise, there was a decision that had to be made in your life, in my life, as to accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior. People just don't get saved by, oh, one day walking down the street and boom, all of a sudden you're saved. No, it don't work that way. You have to make a conscious decision to turn from the world and turn to Jesus Christ. We call it repentance. You're headed this way, you're lost, you're headed to a devil's hell, and you make a decision, you don't want that, you want Christ your Savior, and you turn and go the other direction to receive Christ as your Savior. It's a conscious decision in your life. I've had people tell me, well, I, I've talked to them about their salvation, and say, you know, they say, oh yeah, I'm Christian, and I'll say, when did you get saved? Oh, I don't know, I, you know, I, I just know I'm saved. Well, I'm not asking for the specific date. Do you remember kind of how old you was or where it happened? No, I, you know, I just... Just kind of worked into it somewhere along the line. And I've told him, I said, you know what? Janine and I are married. I don't know when it happened. We just, you know, one day I woke up and there she was. <laughs> I said, who are you? Why, why, what are you doing here? She goes, we're married. When this happened? Did walk along one day and boom, there she was. You know, hey, that's kind of like what happened to Adam. <laughs> <laughs> You guys be careful when you lay down at night. Put your arms like this. <clears throat> Protect them ribs, brother. I'm telling you. <clears throat> you wake up and there's going to be somebody there. <clears throat> now I could go around the room real quick. And I could put some of you men on the spot. And some of you might say, I say, when did you, what was the date you got married? And you'd be like, uh, and your wife would look at you, and then you'd remember. <laughs> I've got a unique way of remembering when I got married. June is sixth month, the seventh day of the month, 1980. Six, seven, eight. You say, where's the zero come in? Been married all my life. <clears throat> The fact is, is that even if I couldn't remember the date, I remember the time that I vowed my life to love her to, till death do us part. I remember the transition. And what I'm saying is, Christian, you don't just kind of float into it. You'll remember the transaction. You may not remember the date. But you ought to remember the transaction. There was a decision made, a conscious decision in your hearts. And I'm, 
I'm saying this and I'm, I'm, be, uh, I'm lingering on this a little bit because I, I, I don't want especially young people to think, well, I just got, you know, I got saved. Somebody. No, there should be a conscious decision in your life when you realize that you was a sinner, that you were lost, that you, uh, you couldn't be saved and God was dealing with your heart and you repented and turned the other direction by a decision that you made, not that somebody else made for you and you receive Christ as your Savior. There should be that decision made in your life to receive Him as your Lord and Savior. There was that call that you received Him. There came that time when the Colossians decided to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. There was the drawing of the Holy Spirit to bring them to the place where they had made, where they would make that decision. God works in your heart and He draws you. In John chapter 6 verse 44 says, no man, come, uh, no man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him and I will raise him up at the last day. He said there's going to be a drawing in your heart. There's that conviction. That's that drawing. And that's when you have to make that decision. There's a working in a person's heart to bring them to a place of crisis, you might say, or a place where they realize uh, that they're lost. And they need to make a decision to accept Jesus Christ as Savior. In walking in the Lord, you've got to continually also visit that initial decision, realizing, hey, I'm saved. I remember getting saved. You may not remember the exact date. You've heard me say it over and over again. Middle of May of 1975 on a Wednesday night. I can't tell you what the date was other than 1975. I knew it was on a Wednesday night, and I knew it was about the middle of May. You say, why don't you go back and look? Because I'm not really sure whether it was, you know, which week. But I know it was in the middle of May of 1975. I remember the transaction. I can tell you how it happened. I can tell you how I got up out. I was sitting back over on this side, and there's just two, two uh, uh, sets of uh, two aisles of pews, and I got up on this side here, and I remember walking down the front. I remember hitting that altar. I remember the transaction. It was a decision made. There was a crisis in my life because I knew that I was lost, and Lord, I didn't want to go to hell. But far too often we begin to take lightly the decision that we made. Listen to me. We take lightly the decision we've made. After times of, of salvation, we, it's fresh and it's new and it's exciting in our hearts. But after a while, we begin to, if we're not careful, take it lightly. What took place in that decision. Bible tells us, you know, it talks about uh, the fact that, 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 that we're not to take it lightly, that uh, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? You say, well, preach, that's the lost. No, it's not. That was written to the saved. You go back and look, at, look it up. It was a letter to the saved. It says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Now, you can use it in, in, a, in a means of... of Pointing people to it. It's an application. You can ap apply it to that. But in interpretation, he said, you're going to stand before God and you're going to give an account how you treat salvation in your life as a Christian. And so we go back to that decision to live for him. But many times we take it too lightly. In, in 2 Timothy 1.6 says, wherefore I put thee in remembrance 
if thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Paul was talking to Timothy. He, says, I, he said, I'm going to put you in remembrance about the things of God. And, and he said, I want you to remember what God has done in your life and what he's doing in your life. Can I tell you something? Hey, listen, you want your heart stirred? Get excited about what God did in your life. Realize how he saved your soul from, from hell. He snatched you from the burning and, and set your feet on a, he pulled you out of that miry clay and set your feet on a solid rock and he established your going and, and he gave you a new name written down in heaven. He also tells us over in 2 Peter 1.12, he says, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. And Peter was talking about the salvation, what God's done. Though you know them and be established in the present truth. He said, listen, he said, don't forget about that decision. Don't forget about that decision. We need to think again upon the great salvation as, as we decide to walk in the Lord. If you're going to walk in the Lord, you're going to have to think about that a little bit about what God did in your life. And then Paul points out something else here. He, he, we've been called to devotion. We've been called to a decision. We've been called to a devotion to the Lord. Look with me there in verse 6 again. He says, as you have therefore received Christ, that's the decision. Therefore you receive Christ Jesus, and notice what he says, the Lord. He said, you made a decision to receive him. He said, I want you also to realize who he is. He says, Christ Jesus, the Lord. The Lord. You say, preacher, what could you put in place of that? Boss, king, ruler, the God of heaven, the creator. But he's Lord. This verse points, us, points out the lordship of Christ. Oh, preacher, I've heard about lordship. Don't, don't preach on lordship of Christ. You, you know, that's a heresy. No, it's not. Here's the problem. A lot of people, when they think about lordship of Christ, they think about doing works to get salvation. Now, that's the wrong type of lordship. What it's talking about here is the lordship where you get saved and you work for Christ. You live for him. That's lordship. You put him as lord of your life in control. Guiding you, directing you. And so he says, listen, he said, you made a decision. So now understand there's a devotion to the one that you made the decision to. When you decide to receive him as, as Savior, he will, then is to become your Lord. You no longer belong to yourself. Jesus becomes your Lord and Master. And one of the verses I quote over and over again, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20, What know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye have been bought with a price. What's the price? Jesus' blood. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. He's Lord. He's to be Lord of our lives. Not just, here's what a lot of people want. They just want Jesus Christ to be their Savior. They're not interested in Him being their Lord to guide and to direct their lives. But my friend, understand this. If He's going to be your Savior, if He purchased you, you belong to Him. He is to be your Lord. He is to be the one that is in control of your life. 
Our lives are not about us anymore. It's about Him and, and what He desires to do in and through us. That devotion will come with a great love for Him. And, and as you allow Him to take control of your life, there's going to be a, a stirring in your heart to, to live for Him in a greater way. In Mark chapter 12, verse 30, it says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. You want to live for Him. You should want to live for Him. You say, well, preacher, that could come at a price. That's exactly right. And that's what, why a lot of people don't want to live for the Lord. Because it comes at a price. What's the price? Being different. Letting Him control you. Following the Word of God. Following the Holy Spirit of God. Letting Him lead in your life instead of the Hollywood and the, the, the latest designers and the music people and the, and the TV people and the sports figures and, and what's going on in town. And, and we could just keep on naming. They're not to lead your life. When you get up in the morning, you know what I'll say? Lord, how do you want me to dress this body? It belongs to you. Lord, how do you want me to use this mouth today? It belongs to you. Lord, how do you want me to use these hands? They belong to you. Lord, where do you want these feet to take me? They belong to you. Lord, what do you want me to think upon? They belong, it belongs to you. Lord, these eyes belong to you. What do you want me to look at? You say, preacher, every day you have to do that. That'd be kind of, well, you get the idea. That you begin to seek the Lord to direct your life daily in every area. And begin to seek Him to guide you uh, through, through the different areas of your life. He's to be Lord. We're to be devoted to Him. And then Paul points out something else. The call of direction. Verse 6 again. As you therefore have received, that's the decision, Christ Jesus as the Lord, that's devotion, so walk ye in Him. That's the direction. The way He's walking, that's the direction. Where He wants to lead us, that's the direction. What He wants us to do, that's the direction. The Colossians were to walk in dependence upon Christ. And by the direction of Christ. That walk is to be a normal pattern of life. It's not just to be something that's done on, on Sunday or Wednesday. It's, a normal, it's to be a normal pattern of our lives. To, to walk daily in Christ. To follow Him. To be steady. But persistent. Walking even in the temptations and the oppositions that we face. To keep on keeping on for Christ. Following God's word and the signposts that he places in our, in, our, in our paths along the way to direct us along the highway of holiness to magnify him. We're directed by his word and the Holy Spirit as to how to walk. Galatians 5.16 says, This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Why will you have trouble with the flesh? Why will, you, why will the, the flesh win out? Because you're not walking after the Spirit. That's why he says walk after the Spirit. You say, what's the Spirit? The Holy Spirit of God. Follow the direction of the one that dwells within you. Don't make me quote it again. 
we are the temple of God. Holy Spirit dwells within us. And we're to walk after His leading, after His direction, as He takes the Word of God and shows us, but also woos and works in our hearts and lives. Galatians 5.25 says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Otherwise, He's saying this, If you're saved, if you're saved, if you're saved, if you're saved, the Holy Spirit dwells in you, then walk. Then walk after the Spirit. He didn't say, if you feel like it, walk after the Spirit. He said, if you're saved, basically, the Holy Spirit dwells in you, then walk after the leadership of the Holy Spirit. It's so important that we walk, that our walk is directed by the Lord. Seeking Him for direction in our lives. Seeking Him with a desire of obedience. Seeking Him uh, that He might be glorified. Seeking Him that you might know Him in a greater way. So what are you talking about, preacher? There's a call. There's a call to a decision. There's a call to a devotion. And there's a call to direction. And that call is given to every single person. Now you can reject the first one. And you'll never get to the other two. Now you can accept the first one. But it's up to you whether you will accept the second call. And make him Lord. And that's going to be up to you whether you will receive the third call. And allow him to direct your life. In every area. There's a decision. There's a devotion. And there's a direction. If we're going to walk down that road in Him, we've got to follow the decision, the devotion, and the direction that He puts before us. I close with this. The songwriter wrote the song that we sing so often. It was by John Samus who wrote the song, Trust and Obey. He says, when we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory... Mm, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his goodwill, he abides with us still. And with all who will trust and obey, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. There's a walk, and we're to walk in Christ. Walk in Him. Let's bow. Father, we thank You for loving us. Thank You for the Word of God that shows us how we're to live, how we're to walk, how we're to conduct our lives. May You be glorified. May You be magnified. May You be exalted. Lord, help us to remember the decision that we made in Christ. Lord, help us also, Lord, to follow the, by devotion to our Lord and to take it up this direction of the leadership of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Or may we walk in Christ. May we glorify you. Or may we magnify you. May you be exalted. Have your will and this invitation. Lord, there may be somebody here that's never really made that decision. They, they kind of fall in that category where they just kind of floated through and just, well, I think I'm a Christian. Well, I, I, I thought I was a Christian. But they've never made a decision intentionally 
May they come and let us take a Bible and show them how they can receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. For this I ask and pray in Jesus' name.